0: for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash ranks, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com forward slash ranks to take your business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash ranks. If you could trade a bench warmer for the greatest of all time, you'd do it, right? Get your business a game-changing pickup by choosing the commerce platform with the internet's best converting checkout. That's Shopify. And once you've reached your audience, Shopify has the internet's best converting checkout to help you turn them from browsers to buyers. What I love about Shopify is how, no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you possibly need to take control and take your business to that very next level. sign up for a one dollar per month trial period at shopify.com slash ranks all lowercase go to shopify.com slash ranks to take your business to the next level today that's shopify.com slash ranks
1: hello this is international football commentator Derek ray and you're listening to the ranks fc podcast
0: and welcome to ranks fc it's your favorite football podcast back for another week my name is jack collins and i'll be your host today as we look through some of the best players in europe so far this season take a few suggestions from each league and try and rank them into some sort of order joining me with this complex task is our transfer
2: guru mr dean jones how you doing mate Hello, mate. Yeah, I'm very good. Thank you. I hear you scored at five a side last night and you celebrated with the Dylan chop. Did the Dylan chop.
0: Um, For those of you unacquainted with the Dylan chop, um, we talked about it on Monday on our Patreon episode. Dean's son, Dylan, has come up with his own celebration which involves grabbing his forearm and doing a chopping motion. Um, And I enjoyed this so
2: much that when I scored at five-a-side last night, I thought I'd bring it out. (laughs) Oh, mate, I told Dylan and he couldn't believe it. He's like, can I see a video? Can I see a video? And I was like, no, but what I am going to do, Dylan, is the next time we go for a kickabout, when you score a great goal, I want you to do the Dylan chop and I will video it or set it up and I will post that on Patreon or on social, maybe both. And uh, everyone can see the Dylan shop in action. Uh, it's actually quite good, isn't it? It's not a bad celebration. I'm enjoying it. I, I enjoyed
0: pulling it out. I think everyone was a bit confused at first sight, but you know, it is what it is. it is. Yeah. What it is. whatever. Um, I enjoyed you've got, it. You got to bring these things out sometimes uh, and really light things up. We're gonna we're gonna
2: go back to standard programming today. We're gonna do a things we love. Very exciting. Oh my God. Yeah. So, look. Last year, I went off on a bit of a rant about how the season made no sense and went through all these teams beating all these other teams and it was all illogical stuff. And this season, we're kind of in a similar spot, but this one is the season where some Premier League big guns can't actually work out how good they are or how bad they are. Three of the biggest teams in Premier League history are so confused right now about what on earth is going on. Start with Man City, who suddenly find themselves third in the league. This was a team that two weeks ago had a 100% record across all competitions. Looked like they had zero flaws. You take one player out of that team in Rodri and they've absolutely collapsed. They've lost three domestic games in a row. They've fallen away a little bit in the Premier League to be placed third with Arsenal and Tottenham above them. To be honest, Arsenal and Tottenham, probably the only two consistent teams in the Premier League right now, the only two that would really feel comfortable about their own identity, getting them to where they want to be this season. You look at the other two teams that have dominated the Premier League over its course, Chelsea and Man United. Chelsea have been poor, and then suddenly they're very excited after wins over Fulham and Burnley. Like, very excited about, can I, can I start to become optimistic? Can we make the Champions League? Can we do this? Can we do that? I'm like, not sure, lads. You've just beaten Fulham and Burnley. These aren't usually two teams that you would kind of be comparing yourselves against. And over at Old Trafford... They scored two late, late goals against Brentford. And suddenly there's comparisons with them in 1999 when they won a treble. No, this is not like United showing an elite mentality like they used to have. This is United showing desperation and Scott McTominay being motivated by watching a David. David Beckham documentary the night before this is completely different this is more like the moment when Mark Robbins saved Sir Alex Ferguson's job by scoring one goal that kept him in his place so Eric Ten Hag can survive another day and can actually get through this international break without impending doom being on his shoulders it's really really strange mate I think Liverpool like they seem to be fine but since losing to that VAR goal at Spurs they're a little bit of a wobble because there was that messy goal giveaway against Brighton, which means they've dropped more points. Newcastle are a little confusing. They seem in my head to be going great, but I looked at the league table and they're eighth. I was like, what? Newcastle are eighth? They're one point ahead of Man United. How's that happened? I forgot, but they've only actually won one of four away matches this season. And obviously early on in the, in the campaign, they had three losses in a row against City, Liverpool and Brighton. So when you now look at their fixtures coming up over the next month or so, They've got United, Arsenal and Chelsea to come. And in my head, I'm thinking, well, I quite fancy Newcastle in those games. But the truth is, I don't know because this is going on. This uh, comfort crisis, I'm going to call it. Teams don't know whether they can trust themselves at the moment. Apart from Arsenal and Spurs, those guys are going, they're flying at the moment. Mm. Yeah, I mean it is a bit chaotic.
0: I'm, I'm enjoying the fact. It's that fun. It's great. Yeah, I'm enjoying the fact that we might have a title race now. Look, also it's early to to be calling that, and equally there is this element with City that you just feel like they're going to get into the new year, they're going to find that grind, and off they'll go again. But so far, so good in terms of entertainment, in terms of yeah. a, a title scrap, in terms of maybe a couple of teams being in there, and as you say, it feels like whilst. There is, you know, a lot of people saying about the bottom of the Premier League being, you know, as as bad as it's been for a while. Mm. I would still add that there's probably six teams in that mix right now that you're looking at and going, hmm, could get dragged Mm. in there. And and I think that whilst you know, I was I was deeply unimpressed with with Sheffield United at the weekend, and I was kind of hoping that I wasn't going to be. To be honest, I, I hoped Fulham would win, obviously, but I hope that it, it was kind of a, a game that we saw a bit more of what they offer, and and, and I don't think we did really see that yeah. for, from the MacRaven Cottage. And to be honest, having watched you know a fair bit of all three promoted sides now, I've said it before, I say it again. I think Luton are in the best position to stay up. I think they're the kind of team that are going to get points off people. Now, I, that's not to say they will. Um, But I think if any of the three of them are going to stay up, the one that I've seen that I'm most convinced are going to scrap points off teams who are going to, you know, nick the occasional thing, nick the occasional point away from home, nick the occasional point at home against the big teams, it's Luton that have impressed me most. I think Burnley have the most interesting squad. Um, But I think that they remind me a lot of Fulham's £100 million season at the moment, in that there's a lot of players with very little experience and who are are in there and, and, and kind of, whilst they are obviously a better side on paper than Luton. They showed that kind of weather the other week. I think that they will struggle against teams that are better than them, maybe more than Luton will, just because of the way that Luton is set up under under Rob Edwards. So maybe that's, maybe that's an incredibly hot take, but it's just how I feel about the three teams at the moment.
2: There are five Premier League teams so far that haven't won a home match and they've played four. That's pretty crazy. Brentford, Luton, Burnley, Bournemouth and Sheffield United all failing to get a home win so far. So... That's probably what it's going to come down to. Who can actually pick up a few points at home, which is actually, you'd expect Brentford to not be in that situation. No, Bournemouth, Brentford will be fine once they, once they get enough. half
0: of their squad back from, from injury.
2: Yeah, Bournemouth, I, I don't trust at all at the moment. Um, they, they've been a, a complete mess. And yeah, Luton, it's funny, you're, you're there, you're, you're giving them hope. And so far, they've played four home games. They've drawn one, they've lost three. And uh, they're on four points, but yeah, somehow they've got a fighting chance to stay in this league. Yeah, it's it's going to be very, very
0: interesting. Um, All right, I want to take us to Spain for my thing we love. uh, And I want to talk about two youngsters who play for Andalusian clubs. And we will start with Brian Zaragoza, who plays for Granada, who scored twice at the weekend against Barcelona and then subsequently got called up into the Spain squad, which was pretty incredible, to be honest, because... A couple of hours earlier, he hadn't even been in the long list. And then suddenly, Jeremy Pino got injured and Ranzan was in the squad. Just the fourth Granada player to be called up to the Spain squad in history. So uh, a little bit of history for him as well. And he was electric, I thought, against Barcelona at the weekend. The first goal he scores is good. The second one is absolutely sublime. Um, there were discussions of it being Maradona-esque. I might be a little bit of a, a far-fetched analogy, but mm-hmm. there are moments where he carries the ball and you're like, wow, what can't he do in terms of ball yeah. manipulation? And look, Jules Kunde has been pretty spectacular through the whole season so far. And Zaragoza sends him to the shops twice, so much so that Koundé picks up an injury, you know, later in this game. And, and obviously mm. you never want to see that. But I think the fact that got a stop-start, Kinda having to sort of throw himself around on the floor, almost certainly contributed to, to this. And it was the fact that he is just so hard to stop. He's five foot five. He's the smallest of the small players in the league. Xavi called him, you know, a bullet. And VR Gonzalo Villar, his, his teammate, called him a diamond. And it feels like this was the moment where... Obviously, that, those of, of us that watched the Segunda last year and watched some of what Granada put together, saw got Gotham and were like, wow, that kid's got something about him. But to be able to make that step up, and we've seen his manager speaking already this season about the fact they were like, mm, we're not sure his off-the-ball work rate is good enough for a side that aren't dominant on the ball like we were last year in the Segunda, but we are not this year in La Liga. And he answered that with this performance against barcelona it was a one-man show he scored both goals to be honest he then hit the post for the third um and and could have had the hat trick and almost certainly a famous win for granada but it it wasn't to be and afterwards in the interviews he was like yeah i'm really pleased pleased i played well but i'm still thinking about hitting the post you're like wow you've just scored twice against barcelona you swapped shirts with Joao felix you've had this moment you know where, where everything's been incredible yeah. And you're worried about the fact that you hit the post right at the end. And, and it's a nice mentality to kind of add to everything out. But you know what? It was it, it was a sensational, sensational performance. And you know, the fact is that Lamini Yamal came became the youngest La Liga scorer in history. Uh, can, and he was overshadowed by Zadagotha. <laughs> he was a little bit older at, at twenty two but genuinely so, so impressive. Um, no one in Spain has, has dribbled more than him. In fact, no one in Europe's top five leagues has dribbled, as uh, has taken players on as much as Gotha. He is a delight to watch. Um, and one of those players that, you know, you're just really, really excited about about their development. He, he grew up not in the academies. He was rejected by Betis, by Sevilla, by Malaga. Um, Granada finally took a chance on him, but he basically didn't play academy football. He just played sort of youth street football. And you can see it in the way that he plays. You know, his ability to go one-on-one with players, to, to take people on. He doesn't really, you know, have that automation that maybe players have a little bit more these days where he sees like a, a blind alley and he goes, oh, I probably shouldn't run into that. Zaragoza's like, I wonder if I could trick my way out of that alley. And, and it makes him incredibly fun to watch. So, yeah, I just wanted well, to give him a shout out. And I'm really glad he's, he's got his call up now for the Spain team, because it's going to be very exciting to see him to see him in that team. Um, well done, mate. The other player... from left field. Exactly. The other player I just wanted to touch on was the son of the owl, who is playing for Betis, um, 19 years, 18 years old, um, and is a big target and has been a big target for a little while now for Liverpool. Um, they're talking about activating the 30 million release clause, scored three goals in his first three Betis games, uh, became the youngest ever player, scored two goals consecutively. Um, in La Liga, in his first two La Liga appearances, or at least since since the turn of the century, should we say? Um, so, just one of those players that Betis gave a new contract to in the summer because they were convinced that the, the future is very bright. Senegalese-born, incredibly explosive, one of those players who, who's played about five different positions during his time in the academy. Has played up top, has played in central midfield, and um, Pellegrini seems to like him on that right-hand flank, um, cutting inside and, and making things happen reasonably ambipedal, has a, a real exciting gait about the way that he runs, but more than anything just is so, so like comfortable and confident at such a young age. It's really, really exciting. Um, and Betis fans absolutely loving a Sound of the Owl at the moment. So I, I thought I'd
2: just give him oh, a yeah, shout out as well. They're not going to like the transfer rumors that follow, are they, in the next few months? No, they're no. no, not. No,
0: it's not going to be that fun. Enjoy but while you can. Let's enjoy, enjoy him while can. we can at the Via Marine. Um, with that, I think it's probably time for us to end part one and move on to our main segment where we're we'll discussing some of the best players across
1: Europe so far this season. Don't go anywhere. price picks will match your first deposit up to a hundred dollars just visit pricepix.com slash play 100 and use code play 100 that's code play 100 at pricepix.com slash play 100 for a first deposit match up to a hundred dollars price Picks daily fantasy sports made easy
0: welcome back to ranks FC where it's time for our main segment looking at some of the best players across the European continent, and beyond this season. We're going to take each of Europe's top five leagues. We're going to have a discussion about who the best player in that respective league is, including some thoughts from our brilliant Patreon community. There is a link in the description if you want to get involved. Two extra podcasts a week, the Discord, questions for the postbox. There's loads of fun to be had. So we'd love it if you considered Giving us a join over there, if not. We're going to be here all the time as usual. Um, but yeah, we're going to look at each of these leagues, and then at the end, we'll have a little ranking, a mini ranking of the winners from each of our five. So a lot to get through, Dean. Let's get stuck into it, shall we?
2: Yeah, let's blast through. I'm going to start in England and the Premier League. This was actually, I think, the most difficult. I don't think there is a standout best player of the season so far in the Premier League, and. That's not really typical. I mean, you would imagine by now that you've had um, a Haaland or a Salah or a Son um, just standing out. Like there's always seems to be, when it actually gets to be player of the year in the Premier League, it always seems to be pretty clear-cut. Even De Bruyne has been magnificent or Haaland's done this. Yeah, Salah's done that. Ronaldo once did this. And you just know who it's going to be most of the time. But at the moment... I think it's really hard to predict who the best player is going to be across the season. Even right now, I've found it hard to separate like five or six players. So my short list quickly was in the top of my head. I was like, right, who's, who has been the best player? There's, there's been James Madison. There's been Julian Alvarez. There's been Saliba at Arsenal. Kieran Trippi has had a really good season. Erling Haaland sounds weird because he's, in a dry spell, but Erling Haaland's got eight goals. He's there. Sobersly. Like There was all these names coming to my head. Jarrod Bowen, Paqueta as well at West Ham. Like, there was quite a few players, but I was like, OK, but how am I going to define this? Because, because now, Erling Haaland does have eight goals, but there's no way that I'd be willing to give Erling Haaland right now player of the season so far in the Premier League. It doesn't feel right. If Erling Haaland's going to earn that, he needs to be scoring every single game or tearing up trees because... The expectation levels for Haaland are for me higher than everybody else. Maybe that's not fair, but right now it doesn't feel right that Harland would be player of the season in the Premier League. It came down to me when I, as I whittled this down, personally it came down to a choice of two. Is James Madison on Julian Alvarez. James Madison, I think, has been outstanding since coming into Tottenham. He's helped this Spurs transformation post-Harry Kane, but also Ange Postacoglu, as he settles into a job, he's found the guy that actually can dictate everything from midfield that he wants. Madison's in eight games has got two goals, five assists. He makes this team tick. What I love about him is he's never predictable in his play. The assist he got the other day, like he looks like he'll just play a simple pass or go backwards, but actually doesn't. Madison doesn't want to always do the easy thing or the predictable thing he quickly pulls out a little turn and he, he he makes a little pass instead that nobody else on that pitch probably would have been able to pick out. He's got an incredible character about him. The other players are feeding off him. It looks like that's the case in training or on the pitch. I've absolutely loved what James Madison has brought to that football club as a person and as a footballer. I think it's been really hard to match across the Premier League, to be honest. I don't think anybody has influenced their team quite in the same way. Tottenham today sit top of the Premier League. And without Madison, there's no way that that would have been possible. And Julian Alvarez, I consider to be his main contender for this prize because what he's done this season for Man City has been similar. He's helped them out of, well, not bad situations, but he's just helped them get over the line and maintain the levels that are expected of them. In 13 games, he's got six goals and five assists. Obviously, he's played more games than James Madison because Julian Alvarez is also playing in the Champions League. Um, he's also um, able to contribute in those matches at a level that James Madison isn't able to influence right now. And so we're having to judge him a little bit differently. But yeah, also, obviously, he's played in UEFA Super Cup. He's played in Community Shield. Like, he's playing in games that James Madison can't play at at the moment because Tottenham aren't playing on those stages. But Alvarez, the fact that he's weighed in with look, important goals in the Champions League that have helped them gain big victories. But as I've said before, like I've said it loads of times now, but like, the way that he backs up Haaland when they need it is has so, been so important. Obviously, no De Bruyne in this team this season. And until the last couple of weeks, barely anybody's mentioned it. That's because Alvarez has been so good. I'll be honest... My hunch is to go towards James Madison. Um, Now, there's a couple of, uh, in our comments when people were writing in, uh, Noah, he said, to, uh, I think Madison's season so far has actually gone a bit under the radar stats-wise. He's been great, but he's also the attacking engine of this Ange side. Uh, Tottenham only bought him for around £40 million. And when you compare him to other midfielders, bought for double that price, his value is just insane. And I think that's a fantastic point. Um, interestingly, no one on Patreon suggested Alvarez as the Premier League player of the season so far, which I found strange. In fact, the guy that got the most love from the community, I don't know if it's just because there are more fans of this player or this team, but Dominic Sobersly actually was the guy that came out of the whole conversations on there. With the most credit, Cody said, Soboslai needs to be in this conversation. He's come over from Germany. He's had to adjust to the physicality and intensity. He's been the heart of a brand new Liverpool midfield, which is a great point. Chandon, he said, look, Soboslai was born to play football. He's dynamic. He's so talented, a joy to watch. I genuinely think he could end up having a Van Van Dijk-level impact on the team by the time he is left, he said, although I hope he retires in red. And Michael Lewis, who definitely is a Liverpool fan on our Patreon, he says, look, Soboslai plays for my beloved Liverpool. He says, but the fact that a commonly recognised attacking midfielder has casually joined such a large club at the ripe age of 22 and says, whatever you need of me, I'll do it, says everything about him. Put aside the growing leadership intangibles, um, Soboslai has shown that his repertoire of talents is not limited to just dazzling free kicks and worldy 25-yard screamers. He can run, he can press, he can affect the game on all levels and he goes on. So that's an interesting conversation because I, what I did consider Sabaslai so like, to uh, be Liverpool's player of the year so far, I wasn't sure that many people would put him in the conversation to be the Premier League player of the season so far. There were shouts in there too for Haaland, uh, Jared Bowen, Udoji got a shout out. I think Saliba will be hard done by here and I think mainly because he's a centre-back, it's much harder to watch these players closely and judge them as closely as we can. The more attack-minded players. But Saliba has had a great season. And and as Brandt said to us, not too many centre-backs in the world at this point for me. Rarely puts a foot wrong. Dominated Haaland twice this season. An integral part of Arsenal. I agree with that. I just find it hard to propel him to be player of the season so far. Somewhat harshly, for sure. I'll be honest. I think it's Madison, mate. As I say, like I I think I just give him the edge over Alvarez because of the fact he's come into a brand new project and just done special things. Alvarez, no doubt, great so far. But he's been at Man City a while. He knows what's expected of him. And Man City could and should be the best team in this league anyway. So you should be able to shine. So very, very harsh on him again on... I'd say, but I think it might be Madison.
0: Yeah, I've got to say I I like the soberslice shouts. Um, I think that what the fact that that there's something in in the idea that he's a big name coming for a big fee, joining a big club, and there's been very little chatter about it is probably a sign of how easily he's just slotted in to this this team in this midfield. And you Mm -hmm. look at. You know, the players joining Manchester United, for example, and, and the discussion around them and what they've brought, of, you know, a Mason Mount. And yes, obviously, there's the, the fact that he's English, etc. And he's moved from a rival, fine. But the fact that, you know, people are constantly discussing whether Mason Mount was too expensive, whether it was it was a waste of money, all of these things. Yeah. And wherever you feel about those, those discussions are taking place. There is none of that with Sabastai. You know there is there is zero of that discussion, and I think that shows how seamless his transition has been into this Liverpool side so far. And 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 agreed, you know he, the fact that he's able to just play multiple roles that he's been doing, what's required of him, that he's managed to to pop up with a few goals as well on top of everything else, just feels like he's really settled in nicely. But I yeah. think that I I would agree with you that I think Alvarez and, and Madison have been absolutely crucial and the single key components for both of their sides so far. Whereas I'd argue that with Liverpool, there's a little bit more going on than, than that. I would edge to Alvarez. Um, I think that his, the fact is that if you told a city fan or pretty much anyone else, actually, that Kevin De Bruyne was going to be out for six months at the start of the season. And you were saying, who's going to play in that central midfield role? In that attacking, you know, berth on that on that right hand side, who's going to fill the role and make sure it works properly? The answers would have been Bernardo Silva. They would have been Phil Foden. They would have been signed someone else immediately. Probably signed Sobersai. To be honest, um, there would have been that discussion. There would have been more discussion around Gabri Vega. I'd imagine before he obviously went off to Saudi Arabia, he was linked with with Manchester City. I think very few people would have given shrift to the idea that Julian Alvarez could play that role and play it this well. And so whilst I agree with you that he has been at City for a while, he understands his role, et cetera, et cetera, I actually think what he's done in that role and, and when he's stepped up when when Holland has been in, in, in this bad streak. Now, obviously, we're talking about this on the back of consecutive losses in the Premier League for Manchester City to, to Wolves and Arsenal and that loss to, to Newcastle, punctuated by, by the win over Leipzig. Away in the Champions League, which was really impressive. And Alvarez was the best player on the pitch. But it is one of those where you're looking at it and go,
3: you
0: know, what what has he brought to the table? I just think in 10 games in the Premier League and the Champions League so far, six goals and five assists is absolutely ludicrous numbers. He has been sensational and he has stepped up and been the difference and been the key man time and time again. As City have looked to to kick onwards, and in a place where you maybe didn't expect him with Madison, I had no doubt in my mind that he would start at, in the number ten for Spurs in every game. I didn't think that about Alvarez, and that's pot- potentially why I would fall to him. But your league, your cool, I'm happy. To, I'm happy to, to trust your judgment.
2: Yeah, I mean, like equally. If you told a Spurs fan that they'd be top of the league after eight games, sure. um, then and, and Madison would have been this influential to it, I, I think he would have been surprised that he could have made that much of an impact so early. The the truth is, I don't think it really matters here. I think both players are basically at the same level right now. I don't think there's, we're finding it this hard to split them. That you could always give a joint award here because when it comes to our ranking at the end of going through this, I don't think it matters whether it's Alvarez or Madison. They're probably going to get the same spot in our list. So I'm going to give it to Madison just because of the impact that he's had on the club that has somehow found themselves now at the top of the Premier League. But we'll talk about when we get there. If it was Alvarez, it would be getting the same spot in the ranking. Okay, all right, let's go to Italy, shall we? And
0: it's been an it's been an interesting one in Italy. Obviously, AC Milan are top of the table, um, and they have been very very impressive. But I don't think that there has been necessarily a huge standout in terms of individuality. I think there have been lots of really good performances. If I was going to push any AC Milan player into this conversation right now, I think the answer would be Reinders, who joined, obviously, in the summer from the Eredivisie and has been a revelation in the midfield, especially when he's played in that more box-to-box role where I think he's thrived. So he would be my suggestion, but I don't think that that necessarily holds a huge candle to to anything. But I think that there are some some interesting ones. And I think that the obvious person is is the leading scorer in Serie A. 10 goals in eight games, two assists as well. A goal in the Champions League to add to that. Lautaro Martinez at Inter has been the fulcrum around which their season has operated so far. But i got to say that you look at his strike partner in Marcus Turan, who joined this summer, seven assists and two goals in Serie A already. They are forming one hell of a partnership. And it feels a little bit unfair to give one props without the other, I think, at, at this point. It's something just just to consider. Um, but Lautaro has been phenomenal. And I think that, you know, obviously there's four goals off the bench um, the other week against Lennatana. Were remarkable. The first ever so had yeah, forward to score four goals off the bench. He started this season on an absolute tear two against Monza in the first week, one against Cagliari the week after, two against Fiorentina the week after that. Two assists then in the 5 1 demolition of AC Milan. Um, went through a little bit of an off patch by his standards, didn't score for three games, um, and then came back to score four against Alentano and, and again against Bologna at the weekend. So Look, lots to like about everything Lautaro has been doing, but there were question marks over whether he could do it without Jeko there, without Lukaku there. And whilst Turam has clearly stepped up, I think it's really important that we give him his props because there remained questions over whether he was able to, to kind of be the guy, to be the captain, to lead this line on his own. And he has answered them pretty fundamentally already, I think.
2: Yeah, I mean, they're trying to draw up a new contract for Lautaro now. And um surprised that there wasn't more interest in him, to be honest, because I think he could have had his head turned over the summer. But Aaron says Lautaro Martinez is him. Uh, Danny B also says Lautaro is just lethal. There wasn't a lot of um, competition, right? I don't think, really, for Lautaro to be pronounced early season player of the year in Serie A. Um, although Francesco Silva says a bit of a road call from me, but if you look at Raquel- Romelo Lukaku's stats, you'll find them absolutely crazy. Yeah, they're the not. The fact that this man, since joining Roma, has bagged nine goals in 10 matches, seven in eight for Roma and two in two for Belgium, is a very good sign if you're looking for a Roma and Jose Mourinho comeback from a slow start to the season. Also, imagine a front line with Romelo and Tammy. I don't know if the two can start together, but even if they don't, imagine the face of the defenders that have to take Rom for 75 minutes and just so they think it's all over, Tammy comes on. Roma have not been great, but Rom's back and that's majorly good news for any football fan. Yeah, he's been brilliant. Um, And and I think we're seeing that kind of love that
0: he was shown by the Roma fans reciprocated pretty early on on the pitch. The question becomes, you know, if he goes through a bad spell, do, do they keep faith? I have pretty you know, supreme confidence that they will keep faith with him. They've kept faith with Mourinho. I don't see why they wouldn't then kick on and keep faith with, with Romelu Lukaku as well. Um, and it's great to see him doing well. I've got to say, it's really, really nice to see him back in this kind of form. Um, and especially given all the things that happened. Now, obviously, we're, we're yet to see Whistlegate when Inter <laughs> play Roma in a couple of weeks. But, but generally, just the way that he has, has slotted into this team, which hasn't been performing particularly well, and still managed to to strike the way he has. Yeah, impressive. Really, really impressive from Romelo Lukaku. And he deserves his credit. Um, a couple of Napoli players to mention. Obviously, Victor Ossiman has had a really weird start to the season in terms of what we've seen from the club and and the fact that he's had to deal with all these ridiculous on off-field issues that he shouldn't be having to deal with as someone who is an absolute star, you know, and, and the kind of fulcrum of the way that this attacking unit operates. Um, but he's still been pretty good in terms of his numbers. Um, he, he's got six goals and an assist in ten games so far. So I'm, I'm, I've been pretty impressed with the way that he's bounced back and responded for, to all that off-field adversity. Um, and Piotr Zielinski as well uh, has been really, really impressive. Um, just a couple of three goals and three assists in, in ten goals for he, games for him. But you're just stepping up, I think, Zielinski. Um, another one who just you know seems to get things right quite a lot of the time when he's in an Napoli shirt and he's one of those players you just rely on regularly. And But I want to give a shout out to Nico Gonzalez, who I genuinely think is the only person who is actually holding a candle to what Lautaro is doing in Serie A. He's got seven goals uh, and two assists in 11 games, all in all, uh, for Fiorentina through Serie A, the Conference League and a couple of the qualifiers. Um, but he has just been sensational. And and look, Fiorentina, currently fourth in the league cooking really nicely, beat Napoli at the weekends. two wins in a row, a really comfortable one against Cagliari, and then the Napoli win. They are up there at the top of the table because they've been really, really impressive. They're level on points with Juventus. There's loads to like, you know, basically about, about what's going on here. Um, and, and Nico has been so crucial. He is the creme de la creme. He took the number 10 shirt for Fiorentina this summer, signed a new contract. When it looked like Brentford were interested in signing him. They had a bid knocked back. But the way that he plays is so crucial to the way that Fiorentina operate. And I've been so impressed with everything he's done so far. Um, He comes up big in the big moments. He is continuously driving this team forward. And I just love watching him in La Viola. So, yeah, shouts out Nico Gonzalez. I think the answer is still Lautaro. But I just wanted to shout out Nico Gonzalez as well, because he deserves fundamentally to be in this conversation.
2: Oh, mate, there is absolutely no doubt that Lautaro Martinez has been the best player in Serie A this season. Look, if you have not had the time to watch Serie A this season, like go onto YouTube now, look up Lautaro's goals so far from this season and you will see all you need to see of this man. Like His predatory instincts have gone up a level. Um, there were teams in England that are concerned that Lautaro isn't enough for number nine to, to lead their line. Well, I'll tell you what. None of them have got a tacker that is as good as this right now. So I think that that one is well-deserved and, to be honest, in zero doubt. Um, In Spain, there's also zero doubt, to be honest, as to who is the main man in La Liga so far. But there were a few other shouts out from the ranked squad. So I'm going to begin with some hot takes, really, from our patrons on, on people that they think deserve a mention for performances so far. Jose says, Kubo, the man is a dribbling menace. Absolutely. Kevin says, Gavi, simply because he is doing a wonderful job covering for Frankie and Pedri. He wasn't selected to start games at the beginning of the season, but has been influential in place of the injured starters. His work rate in defence and offence are like no other. Barca is perfect in the Champions League and unbeaten in La Liga for a reason. Um, there's also love for Kunde. Uh, Valdez said he wanted to point out that Hal is back to being one of the best right backs in the world and Jill said Antoine Griezmann he's so intelligent and creative with an incredible work ethic he's been outstanding this year but really has just been at the top of his game since the World Cup last year I think he's underappreciated so some, some love there um, and all well deserved no doubt about it but they are competing with a man that is just on top of the world right now, Jude Bellingham. 11 games he's played. He's scored in nine of them. Internationals, Champions League, La Liga, doesn't matter. Jude will deliver. And La Liga alone, his return is 8-8 eight eight with two assists along the way. The, his record for Real Madrid generally is just insane. He scored 10 goals from 19 shots. Like, it's... It's just like mind blowing what Jude Bellingham is managing to do so early into his Real Madrid career. You see him start to go towards an opponent's penalty area, and he's just got this like confidence. And like, he's obviously got this big frame, the way he like moves his body, and it's like swaying basically. You don't know which way he's going to go, you don't know what type of finish he's going to pull off, you don't know if he might even just pass it. Maybe he looks to get a one two. He has. A confidence level that is through the roof at the moment. And he just always believes that he's better than everybody else on the pitch. I think not in a cocky way, not in an arrogant way. He's just absolutely flying, and it's really, really hard to stop him. Look, um, when he joined, he was given the number five shirt, which is what Zidane wore at Real Madrid, and people wondered what position he would play. But look, they're basically talking to him at the moment as a number ten in at Real Madrid, and his stats are up there with the best goal scorers in world football. That stat, one goal basically for every two shots he takes, is like so, so rare to see, especially over this many games. Like sometimes you get stats like that that shine out over three or four games. But the fact that this is coming out over, you know, eight games is incredible. Like Rahul, Benzema, Ronaldo. I wasn't expecting to put Jude Bellingham into this bracket just yet but like I'm genuinely having to to wonder if I might. He's not only a goal scorer either, is he? Like what we know about Jude Bellingham is he works tirelessly um he can create from deeper on the field too. He's got this real charisma about him. We all know his goal celebration. Like It's not even that much to what he does for his goal celebration, but it's becoming iconic. You see kids all over Madrid, all over the world now, doing the Jude Bellingham celebration where he just stands, arms aloft, wanting to be adored, and he deserves every single moment of it. A couple of shouts out from the rank squad. Mark Wilson says, well, we've got to start with the main man here, haven't we, Jude Bellingham? He's been absolutely unreal dominating the midfield in both La Liga and Champions League at just 20 years of old. He had this massive price tag on his head. No one would have blamed him for having a slow start because of the expectations. When it comes to the biggest clubs in the world, that badge and shirt can be heavy for some people, but not Bellingham. Everyone is talking about Mbappe and Haaland fighting for the Ballon d'Or in years to come, but Bellingham may just have a few words to say about that. And Cole, he weighed in too. He said, it's just got to be Jude for a a player of the season so far. But you look at his stats across the La Liga and the Champions League, it's just incredible. So, yeah, honestly, mate, I mean, I'm sure you agree that there's no doubt Jude Bellingham is the best player in Spain at the moment. Yeah, I mean, I think that there
0: will be other players who are unfortunate to to miss out because of Drew Bellingham um, and because of the form that he's been on. Because I think in any other normal season where there hasn't been, you know, someone who has dropped these kind of performances, and I think it's, you know, it's the moments as much as anything else, right? There there can be performances and they're also stepping up to score late winners time and time and time again, being the person that be is there when it matters for Real Madrid, who has scored the winner. It's, so many of these goals have been winners or have been, you know, the goal yeah. to break the deadlock. Or, Late goals, yeah. You like, know, or, these things all matter. But well, I think Fede Valverde has been absolutely sensational. I, I think Danny Carvajal has had a really impressive return to form, considered. I thought then I think that most people would have agreed that maybe his, his time in the sun was coming to an end. Maybe the sun was going down on Danny Carvajal's <laughs> career. Um, and it, he's just had a really nice renaissance season. So, yeah, it's not been, you it's know, it's not been like lacking options. You know how much I love Antoine Griezmann, and I think over the last, you know, ten months, there hasn't been a better player in Spain. But I think in the last two months, that there probably has, and that player is is Jude Bellingham.
2: Yeah, nice, nice. Glad you agreed, mate. So there you go, Lautaro and Jude, just like, undoubted, undoubted so far. Okay,
0: all right. Let's go to France, shall we? Um, and this one is a little bit trickier because there haven't been quite as many standout performers in France. You look at kind of the the players who have had the biggest output so far: Kylian Mbappe, seven goals in you know seven games, hasn't been. It's not set the place on fire, but equally it's still a goal a game. And, and I think that obviously when you have a player like Mbappe, you kind of expect that from them. But the fact that PSG haven't been great, um, the fact that they have struggled in the Champions League against Newcastle, I think it is probably worth considering as well. Um, and I think that just considering exactly how PSG look right now, there is probably a fair question mark over whether you would, Fundamentally, put Kylian Mbappe as the best player in Liga right now. Um, so I'm not going to. Uh, what I'm going to do is discuss a couple of other players. I've been really impressed with Teddy Tumor at Reims, who has who joined this summer from Union Saint-Gillois. He is Maltese. He was the USG captain. Um, he's moved over to Will Still's side and got four goals and two assists in eight games. Um, from central midfield, which is pretty good going as far as I'm concerned. Um, but I think, I think maybe my player of the season so far in Liga has been Takumi Minamino, who has uh-huh. bounced back from a bad season last year where he really struggled playing wide, et cetera, at Monaco and just suddenly looks. Like he's right back amongst it. Now, part of this is the fact that he's playing under Adi Hütter, who's someone who played under, albeit briefly, uh, at Salzburg. So he knows the manager. The system has changed. He is playing as a number 10, one of two number 10s, behind either Vissan Ben Yedda or Flo Balagan. occasionally alongside Golovin, or he's also played as a singular number 10 behind Ben Yedda and, and Balagan as a front two. So there's lots going on in, in, in terms of the tactics, but He's got three goals and three assists so far. Um, He's he's had a c- weird couple of games. So he missed the Marseille game through injury and then he came on very late uh, in the win against Haim at the weekend. So we haven't seen that much of him. But in the six games before that, I think we saw a lot of the best of what Minamino can do. And he is a major part of why this Monaco side have not just risen to the top of Liga so far, but also who have, have kind of stepped in and, and gone made people think about it and gone, oh, maybe we could. Maybe they could make a title push. Maybe this side is good enough to actually make make PSG sweat this season. And I think that that's a pretty cool place to be for him as well. Um, a couple of other shouts. Um, I really, really enjoyed watching Mustafa Mohammed at NOM and Akor Adams at Montpellier. Um, they've both got five goals in their seven games. Um, and these are two sides, maybe not more than Montpellier, that I was expecting kind of to struggle. I expected Montpellier to fall off a little bit. And I, and I think we were all worried about Nantes after the season they had last year. Um, but just generally, they've been, they've been really, really impressive. Um, and another shout for, for Marshall Minetsi, who plays alongside Teddy Tumor for him. Those two in centre midfield have been really key to the way that they haven't really dropped off, despite losing Balogun last last summer. And the fact is that, you know, Balogun scored against them at the weekend. They, Monaco took the chances, Heim didn't. And that game finished the way it did because of that. But we haven't seen a massive drop off from them, despite the fact that they were picked apart a little bit in the summer. And I just wanted to give them some love uh, as well, because they they deserve it. It's um, It's been a, a tough summer and, and they still look very impressive under Will still. so. Yeah, and some love for that partnership, but I think my answer is Taki Minamino.
2: Yeah, no, it seems alright. Look, after like five games of the season, I think you'd have been looking at um, Mbappe um, clinching this one. He was he was scoring like two goals a game or something, um, and there was talk in in Paris like, oh, our well, PSG are uh, just going to be too dependent on Mbappe this season. Um, suddenly, here we are, Mbappe hasn't scored in the last four games. Everybody's saying, "Well, what's wrong with killing Mbappe? Why is he not scoring? Like, what's wrong with your team? Why why can you not get the best out of out of Mbappe?" There's no middle ground here. There's no middle ground. It's all or nothing. It seems uh, with PSG and Mbappe. Um, but yes, yeah, surprising because I would expect killing Mbappe at this stage to be the best player in Ligue. 1. There shouldn't really be any doubt about that, given his pedigree. But you're right. I think that the way that the league has played out so far, um, I would too would have been looking. There's probably a couple of players at Monaco I'd have looked at. Uh, nice have probably got a couple of contenders as well. Terran muffy have, maybe. But the the muffy thing is maybe. That-
0: the thing is that Nice just don't score that many goals. They've scored no. nine in their they play eight games.
2: Nice football. They do play they play well, but maybe, it's maybe hard that, to maybe that should go,
0: maybe that should work him off his favor, right? He scored the goal that counts a lot of the time in these yeah. games and he deserves credit for that in the same way we just talked about Jude doing it. Um but I just think in terms of when you watch Monaco's attacking threat and you watch Nice's, there is a little bit more about Monaco as a side, and, and that's probably why I'd edge towards Minamino.
2: Yeah, I think that that's fair, mate. Um, right, should we move on to the final league, and then we can come up with our ranking from the season so far? Yes. Um, because there is, a, well, there's a goal blitz going on in the Bundesliga at the moment. There's 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 plenty of places to look for for standout players, which is fun. Like I've, I'm really glad that uh, we could end here with a, with a league and a, a group of players that are putting up a proper fight on the goal scorer in front. I think you typically would just expect uh, Harry Kane to be the one that we're going to be talking about here. And I'm delighted that that's not really going to be the case. Like, even when I opened this up to the ranked squad, there was no no love in there for Harry Kane as, like, player of the season so far. And rightly so. Like, Harry Kane has had a very good start to his time at Bayern Munich. He's got um, eight goals uh, so far since joining there. He's got four assists as well. Like, it's it's a really strong, good start from Harry Kane. But because of the price tag, because he's at Bayern Munich, um, you, have to, you have to consider those things. And also the fact that Bayern Munich aren't actually top of the league at the moment means that he can't really be considered to be the best player in the league at the moment, I'm afraid. So there's a lot of, in my head straight away, I was like, OK, so there's Sergio Rassi at Stuttgart. There's Victor Boniface at Bayer Leverkusen. They were like the standouts for me. Um, but there was plenty of love for other people as well, um, Valentin, who is a regular for us over on Patreon and our German correspondent, basically, he said, I'll cancel my subscription if you don't include a mention of the best midfield player in the world. His side's on top of the table. I bet his old club is missing him. I don't think my English vocab is good enough to describe him, but I'll give it a go. First name on the team sheet He's creative. He's got leadership, a great football you, gives his team stability. He's incredible. He's talking about Granit Xhaka. Yep, he says um, he's still the record sale of my club, Borussia Mönchengladbach. It's amazing to have him back in the Bundesliga, seeing how he's matured is amazing. Um, If you love football, you have to love Granit Xhaka. And Rishi agreed with him. He also weighed in with Granit Xhaka as a shout for player of the season so far. He says he's the main reason why Leverkusen are going to continue to walk over teams in every game. Um, So that's that's an interesting take there. I'd have to say that another big reason that Leverkusen are top of the league is Victor Boniface. Um, he is a striker that we might not have heard too much of so far, but we're going to be hearing a lot of this player. Um, at the weekend, he made history as the fifth by a Leverkusen player to score seven goals after seven league games as they beat Colm 3-0. Um, he's got a really nice finishing technique. Um, he joined from Union Saint-Gilois in the summer uh, a Nigerian international, he's got nine goals in 10 games so far across all competitions. Um, and he's, he's a really, really strong uh, contender here to be the player in the league so far. But I mentioned Jurassic at the start and Jurassic is where this conversation has to lead. This guy is absolutely unbelievable at the moment like for a 27 year old to suddenly come onto the stage and make this kind of impact like after going about his business well in the past but not like be a world beater yeah, and, and suddenly set the world start, on fire. yeah yeah to suddenly start doing this is incredible he began the season by scoring 8 goals with 8 shots on target in four games that's how he began the season Nobody. Some, would, some would say unsustainable, but you know who we are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, no one had ever achieved that before. Funny that. Um, since then, he's continued to score goals. Um, he's got a couple of hat tricks along the way. He is, well, he, he's just unbelievable. Thirteen goals so far for Stuttgart, who are taking this league by surprise. Um, he is the record highest ever Bundesliga goals haul at this stage of the season so far. He's joined Robert Lewandowski to have that claim to fame, he's brilliant, mate. I mean, obviously it's early days to him actually being a Stuttgart player, but there are teams like keeping an eye on his situation. I've written about this um, in the past week that um, Tottenham are one of the teams beginning to keep an eye on his development. I know West Ham also have an eye on him. Uh, He is absolutely brilliant. Again, like I said, to go and look at Lautaro's goals reel from this season... You have to see Jurassic's. It's really weird, actually. I read an article earlier on that was comparing him to Wayne Rooney. I'm not so
0: sure about that. It's quite niche. It's
2: I'm not quite... 100%
0: sure that that's a particularly good stylistic
2: comparison. But, um, no, but I'm he was on really Bundesliga's website as well. I was like, I was like I'm was not sure about this. So that's not the player that I would be picking out to compare uh, Jurassic to. But he's strong. He can finish in various different ways. Um, you brought him up earlier the season as he started to score these goals and put him on my radar properly. Um, every single week now, I'm looking at his results straight away. I need to know how Stuttgart are doing and how many goals he's scored. He is undoubtedly, for me, the player of the season so far in the Bundesliga. And when we rank things at the end, he might be the guy that gives Bellingham the run for his money.
0: Yeah, I, I, I think it's pretty... Indisputable. Um, although I would say that I think that Jonas Hoffman's been excellent stepping in uh, at Bayer Leverkusen as well. Um, has been gone quietly under the radar, but he just does sensible things. And him alongside Jacka uh, are the two signings, I think. And, you know, obviously Boniface coming in is going to take the headlines. But behind him, those two signings are helping make the engine tick really nicely. So I would, I would just include Hoffman in there as well. Um, but talking of Jurassic, I think it's important to talk about his supply line. And his supply line has basically been Chris Verdick. Um, And he's been absolutely sensational. Uh, five assists and two goals for himself in, in, in the seven games. Got his first Germany call-up um, on, on the back of this as well, 25 years old. Um, but he's been a bit of a revelation, to be honest. And that partnership and that kind of communication line he has open with Jurassic is, is very, very important to the way that Stuttgart operate. Um, and I thought it would be unfair Just as I thought it would be unfair to mention Lautaro without bringing Marcus Turam into the conversation, I think it would be unjust to discuss Jirassi without bringing Ferdick into the conversation as well. So just a shout out to him.
2: Oh, totally. you not the only one either. William uh, wrote in on uh, on Ranks FC Patreon and he said he wanted to nominate him. He said an unbelievable start to the year. He's got that ideal mix of a winger where there's a great feel for when to be out wide and when to make himself a part of the attack. Yeah, um, Perfect timing, um, seven appearances, two goals, five assists. Um, he's very excited about what he's achieving. Uh, a couple of others weighing in with their say on Jurassic. TJ says Jurassic is putting up Mitro in the championship numbers and outpacing Kane for the BL Golden Boot. Yep, five clear of him uh, at this stage. And Ben Duncan says Jurassic is the best player in the Bundesliga. Um, he's made our entire attack noteworthy. Chris Thierick is getting his first call-up to Germany and Enzo Milo to the French under-21s because they are supplying the hottest player alive with the ball and playing off him themselves. So, yeah, I think that sums it up absolutely perfectly. Um, Bundesliga is great to watch this season. I'm really enjoying it. And, yeah, that brings us on, mate, to having to come up with our rankings, we've got uh, various different options here to consider. So, um, yeah, I put forward uh, James Madison, Jude Bellingham, and Girassi. You've put forward Minamino and Lautaro Martinez, and now we've got to come up with a top five. So, I'll, I'll leave it to you to address this first and I'll see if I agree. I think the
0: fact that Liga has not shone. So far this yep. season probably leaves Takumi Minamino fifth. Okay. In this Agreed.
2: List. Five Minamino. Fine.
0: I think probably at four, I would have James Madison.
2: I've got that too. Slash Uriah. Three,
0: three, I would probably go Jurassic. I know you're going to go the other way around here, but I would go Jurassic and then Lautaro and then Bellingham. What would you split them on? I just think that there there's an element of what we've seen in terms of stepping up in the Champions League, making the difference there as well from from Lautaro, I'd probably say, is is the main difference. Um, but I don't think there's much between Lautaro and Jurassic in terms of their performances this season.
2: No, it's a tough one because Mart- Lautaro's got that, like, he's, he's more famous, he's like someone more established, we know more about him and, like, you would expect, like, if both of these players were to be sold right now, you would expect Lautaro to be worth more money and go into a bigger club. But you know what? If Fulham had to pick one of these strikers right now, I wouldn't mind at all if it was Jurassi. So... Yeah, we can have a toss up there. I say it's Jurassic two, Martinez three. You say the other one. I'm way happy up. I'm
0: happy to take your lead on it. Let's let's go with let's go with Jurassic. Let's give him his his, his flowers because
2: yeah. the might to get back here.
0: But also the Stuttgart side, you know, struggled to avoid relegation last season. They sold some big players. Obviously they lost Borna Sosa, they lost Wutaro Endo, they lost Mavropanos. and they are currently second in the Bundesliga, you know, led by this force of nature in Salih Jurassi. So, yeah, let's give him his flowers and let's put him second here, I think, right now.
2: And that means that Jude Bellingham is officially the best player in Europe right now. Undisputed. Undisputed. For now. Let's end this section because
0: I've actually got someone who does dispute this. It's all coming up in Hot Takes in Part 3. Don't go anywhere. Welcome back to Ranks FC and whilst we've just crowned Jude Bellingham as the best player in Europe, Rishi doesn't agree. Here's what he's got to say.
3: Hey Jack and Dean, I hope you're both doing well. My name is Rishi and I'm from India and I'm sending this in from Toronto. I would first like to say thank you for creating this pod and consistently doing it because it's been one of the best parts of my week and I've been listening to it since the start. I would also like to give a massive shout out to the Discord who are just an amazing group of people. Um, My hot take is that Fede Valverde has been Real Madrid's best player this season. He has been better and more complete than Jude Belligan, even despite his 10 goals and 3 assists. Fede has 1 goal and two, 3 assists. Um, So far this season, albeit that Napoli goal should be... Um, another goal to his name. He has been all over the pitch, having created 22 chances from open play in La Liga, the most in the top five leagues. He sits first in shot-creating actions, third in key passes behind Isco and uh, Iago Aspas, second in passes into the penalty area, third in progressive carries in La Liga, and he's second in the um, with the best second-best tackle percentage in La Liga. His form this season has just been better than what he was last year at the start of the year. And it's just outright more impactful and incisive in everything he does. He eclipses Jude in the most stats and just involving in Madrid's constantly changing playstyle. And he helps significantly on defense, so much so that Carvajal now looks like one of the best players uh, in the right back position, although he plays a pseudo right wing role. His creative and passing side to his game is something that we've just never seen before. What we have seen from Jude is that uh, while incredible, is not as involved in creation as he could be, and while Fede is being that creative, and we've seen in the last 3-4 uh, match days that Jude's going more to the left and creating, but I think we'll see more of that as the weeks pass. But. For now, I just think that what Fetty brings on either side and his defensive and forward work is just so much better than what Jude has provided as a whole. Thank you.
2: I mean, It's an incredible argument. I mean, that was so well-structured, so detailed. It's, it's so
3: just, well put
0: together.
2: It's so, it's so hard for me to, like, I want to shoot that down. I don't want to shoot it down. Like, it, it's great. I love it. Um, this is the difficult thing, isn't it? Because... Um, when you're putting up like top numbers like Bellingham is and goals and assists and you've becoming an icon and you've got the visuals that match it and you're trending all the time, like you're gonna be the guy that gets all the attention. If Madrid was sharing the goals around right now, maybe in the last segment, in the La Liga section, we would have been discussing Valverde. This is how easy it is to just float underneath the radar if you're not putting up the top numbers. Like all the other numbers that he's talking about are all very significant in the running of a football team and the success of a football team. But because it's Bellingham that gets the goals, it's extremely hard to overlook that.
0: Yeah, I think it would have been there would have been riots. In the, ranks, in the streets of ranks FC, if we hadn't put Jude <laughs> Bellingham as the best player in, in, in La Liga. I mean, I think they would have been right if we hadn't put him as the best player in, in Europe right now. But, but generally, I think that it's very hard to look past his impact. And look, that, that's what I would go back to as the as kind of defence, because I actually agree with lots of what Rishi's saying there. And I actually mm. think that the all-round game that Valverde is putting up right now is almost incomparable. But it's about moments as well, right? And it's about being there and being the person that gets on the end of those moments and makes the difference. And right now, Jude Bellingham is the difference between Real Madrid having a pretty indifferent start to the season and a very good start to the season. And that in itself, the fact that that has fallen on the shoulders of you know a, a young man from Starbridge is pretty oh. remarkable. And And that's why I would edge still to... Do Bellingham. I did say in, in that last bit that I, I've been really impressed with Valverde. I think he's been really crucial, um, but I think it, it would be mad to overlook what what Bellingham's putting together right now in terms of yeah. output. So. I mean,
2: Valverde is probably playing the best football of his career and probably is in a, an unbelievable moment. He's 25. Like, definitely keep an eye on Valverde across the rest of the season to see what else he can achieve. Because what Rishi's saying is absolutely bang on. Okay. All right. Let's move on to this
4: from Park. <laughs> Cheers, Rank squads. How we doing? This is Parker from North Carolina. Been uh, listening to the pod for a couple of years now. Love listening to the lads, the lovely voices on a long drive and intellectual football takes. I love it. Keep up the good work. My hot take is that La Minha Mal will not only win the Ballon d'Or before the age of 23 or by the age of 23, but that he will be in the conversation for one of the greatest football players of all time. The kid is 16 years old. If you watch any Barca games, the way that he's slotted into this team and been one of the best players on the field at 16 years old is unbelievable. Same thing for Spain. And there's a lot that goes into this. I mean, the way that he develops and stays injury-free. But the, the things that we're seeing from him now are similar to what we saw from a little Argentinian in the 2000s is all I'm saying. So... That's my hot take. Thanks for listening. Cheers, mates.
1: Yeah,
2: shout out, Parker. Um, <laughs> oh, I brought a tear to my eye there. Someone coughing. the cheers, mates. Love it. Um, mate, he's like, yeah, Laminia Mal doesn't, has barely got any airtime on ranks FC ever because we've just never really done an episode that would cover what he's capable of beyond on our, on our Patreon. Where we've reflected on like a weekend or built up to a game. Um, he's 16. He was born in July 2007. Like, that feels like it's about four weeks ago. Like, that is ridiculous. Like, uh, this is the first time I really start to feel properly old um, is when you get a 16-year-old making an impact at Barcelona. The bravery it takes to play on a stage like that and be yourself and not let it get to you is incredible. And Laminya Mao is just playing without fear, and he's right. Like, Obviously, Barcelona will be keen not to compare him to Messi, but um, it's unavoidable, isn't it, when you break through like this? I just think there was a lot of... Like, don't get me wrong, I think Yamal is absolutely unbelievable,
0: um, and I like think that if he stays fit and healthy, then there's no reason that the things that Parker is saying here don't come off the worry I have is that the last time Barcelona tried to, to kind of go down this route a little bit with Ansu Fati giving him the 10 shirt. You know, everyone yeah. was like, he's, you know, he's going to be the next big thing. You know, we've seen a, a drop off to the point where he's on loan at Brighton this season. Now that's not, you know, what it was five years ago, but equally that's not what you do with a player who you genuinely think is going to be the next Lionel Messi. Um, And, mm. and there is, there is a question mark over that. I, I love Mal. I, I was, lucky enough and, and blessed enough to be asked to be part of scouted football's scouted 50 and the other week uh, they took they've taken 50 players 50 youngsters and basically ranked them on how the impact they think they're going to have this season and i've put lamina yamal in here at second on this list above the likes of evan ferguson above the likes of warren Zaire and Murray the the above the likes of fabio moretti matthias tell so that speaks about yeah. how you know, highly I, I rate him, and how important I think he's going to be to Barcelona this year. I'm really glad that he's not going on this international break. I think this is the kind of he just needs a bit of a rest. The last thing we need is another Pedri situation where players are getting squeezed like tubes, tubes of toothpaste. You know, we, we don't want Jamal to be overworked at this point. He is young, and he needs that time to develop and and allow himself to recover. Um, but yeah, I mean, if everything goes to plan, no reason why any of this can't come off. I'm just wary of making these kind of calls at. 16 with such a young you know such a long way to go in his career at such a young age because you know we we never know what, what what is around the corner but the potential to do all of the things that were mentioned by Parker there
2: yeah absolutely let's just wrap up the show with a line that Eden Hazard has announced his retirement now mate aged 32 um obviously we we felt this might be coming but um it's probably worth a mention seeing as it's broken basically while we've been talking today uh hazard has said you must listen to yourself and say stop at the right time after 16 years and more than 700 matches played i've decided to end my career as a professional footballer i was able to realize my dream i have played and had fun on many pitches around the world um he goes on to just thank people across his career but like Eden Hazard like so sad the way that it's all ended but like what a player mate what a joy a, player. a joy yeah. there are I very few Chelsea to top moments, but they all be Chelsea
0: ones I don't want to talk about them there are very few Chelsea players that I look at and I'm just like you are joy and he was one of them he was such a brilliant footballer um that you know brought delight to so many different people and I wish him all the best because the last few years have been so tough. It would have been lovely to see him go out on a high, go out at the top, but wasn't to be. Um, and as he says, sometimes you do just have to listen, right? And, and his body has been telling him that it might not be able to do this anymore for quite some time. And mm. ultimately he's, he's, he's had to deliver that decision, but he will look back at a career and be like, what a player I was. And, oh. and, and and he would he would be absolutely correct as well. So, yeah. shout out. A Evan, good guy. It.
2: A good guy, for sure. Absolutely.
0: All right. Well, with that, I think it's probably time for us to call it a day. So, all there's left for me to do is say thank you very much to Parker and to Rishi and to all of our patrons who contributed to today's episode with their thoughts on the best players in europe thank you very much to our transfer guru mr dean jones cheers mate i've been jack hollins knave of hearts this has been ranks fc thank you so much for listening as ever and we will see you next week gang take it easy peace final seconds of the game a chance to score and